0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up, everybody? It's a busy Friday podcast here on the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is going to be me with a couple guests as a bit of a change-up with our Behind Enemy Lines uh, that we will do every every Friday throughout the season, looking at you know, it's teams that we don't know uh, so well. We'll look at the roster, collectively depth chart, and stuff. But teams here like the Bengals that we do know, I think we want to go over storylines. We want to talk through big picture things in the division and around the conference, and that's kind of going to be the aiming point for these as we start the season. So we have James Rapine, we have Jake Lisko, both of Locked On Browns. If you've heard me over the last few days, unfortunately, I recorded the whole thing with Jake and lost the second half. But we were lucky enough to get James Rapina's co-host in to give us the rest of the insights on defense and some of the Joe Burrow contract stuff. As you know, Joe Burrow's deal is done. Going to talk about that a little bit in the coming days probably when I get with Andrew Spade look at the big picture of that deal all the specific financial ramifications for the Bengals because this is a record-breaking NFL contract and there's a lot to discuss there and then obviously this Thursday night game which had the upstart Detroit Lions go in and knock off the Kansas City Chiefs so it's a it's a crowded next few days of the podcast but today we focus pretty much solely on who the Bengals are what they're bringing to Cleveland and this matchup from their perspective their personnel thoughts their coaching thoughts and how they think they're going to attack the Browns so we get Two great guests. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Let's get started on the latest OBR film breakdown. Mm Hey guys, welcome into the Friday show. Jake Burns, solo here for a minute. I want to reiterate and sort of backwardly apologize for audio that I don't think has been stellar over the last week. Again, traveling away from my home office, trying to keep the pot alive this week. I should be back in the hometown on Friday um, as you're listening to this, so I should have a relatively normal audio and input-based uh, podcast, which is our Big Browns thought and some college football thoughts, but you know I want to talk with Andrew Spade about this Lions Chiefs game, which was phenomenal and had a lot of talking points and looking around the AFC, the shaping of it based on that game, and then obviously really want to dig into the news that dropped during the first portion of that game, which is Joe Burrow's contract, two hundred seventy-five million dollar contract, two hundred and nineteen million guaranteed. There's a lot there. So recorded with Jake who we're coming up with here in a moment early in the week, got with James Thursday morning, neither of which obviously knew about a borough extension. Uh, They had been waiting on that sort of thing on their end. So when we transfer over to talk with James Rapine, we don't actually have that borough information. There's a quick question on it, but it was a matter of time. The deal got done. And like I said, there are a lot of layers to pull back to that deal, what the ramifications are for the NFL, the quarterback position, and the Bengals moving forward that I really want to dig into. That will be on your Saturday podcast, along with, like I said, some Chiefs, Lions thoughts mixed in there as well. So we'll have a great Saturday and then game day show for you Sunday, and then we'll get into our usual game day routine, sorry, game week routine at that point. So exciting stuff ahead, get back to some normalcy, some writing on the OBR website again, answering your questions in ATI, all of that, we'll get back into a normal routine, but today we have two great guests, a reminder that we cut with Jake, we take a break, and then we go over to James. And again, a huge thanks to those guys for being cool and getting that uh, you know, stuff over to us. They do a great job on Locked on Bengals, so check that one out. All right, guys, we're going to get to the first interview with Jake Lisko right now. All right, so we transitioned to game week, and when I think about sort of prepping for the Bengals, I think getting the opinion of somebody who is as tied into things going on from an analytical film standpoint i think we, we we have a great guest for you guys as we start this hyper-focused next few podcast. uh jake lisko from locked on bengals if you if you don't you know i think you should be expanding your guys uh interest to the teams around the division and checking in every now and again and i think he's one of the best doing it so uh pleasure to have some of your time jake thanks for being here man
2: well thanks for saying such nice things about me that's how you get me to come back every year isn't it
1: yeah, it's the part of the plan, you know. You got you got to you got to butter them up. You know, we keep that we keep that going. Us Jake stick together. We've referenced that a few times, yeah. so uh, we'll 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 rock it forward. Keep doing these as many times as we can. Uh, and like I said, I think we just see some things pretty similarly between these two organizations. And I was talking to Jake before we started that, you know, this is a unique time because really this has been a far bigger Browns issue over the years. But the the b- between I think the last. Four, three, four years. There's been finally some consistency in rosters and coaching staff between both teams. I think the po- the moral of the story here is that both of the organizations know each other pretty well. You, as a listener, know the Bengals roster, coaching staff pretty well. I just think there's some bigger storyline stuff to sort of peel back, and that's what we're going to focus on. We're not going to go through a ton of names, but we're going to talk about the things that I think matter. So, I think Jake, you start and end with Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, the the injury happens. I think you know the time frame better than I do. I think f- it was six weeks ago now, five weeks ago at this point. I think that I think that went down. So uh you know, you you're just kind of seeing if Joe is ready to go. So enlighten us with 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 what you're following along with the confidence level that he's he's to the point he needs to be to function as the Joe Burrow that we know uh you know from from all these matchups.
2: The big difference this year versus last year, which I think is where you're apt to to compare the the situation for Joe Burrow and the horrendous week one he would probably say he had, not his best work, is that the appendectomy last year, it's an open abdominal surgery. They had to open him up. They had to clean him out. They had to remove the appendix because his appendix burst, as I understand it. It was... A building thing for a while then he ended up having to to go through a a pretty serious surgery and he lost a ton of weight was totally off his feet the big difference with the calf is he's able to stay active he's off it for maybe a day in the locker room getting around on a scooter i think it was a day or two later that he was walking with no visible limp according to reporters in the locker room at the time and he's putting on a show a little bit, right? But then in preseason game one, he goes through a light pregame up, which certainly is an indicator that he has been throwing at this point already. All these are signs that point to the fact that this is likely a grade one calf strain for Joe Burrow. Those typically have a two to four week recovery. Joe Burrow returned to practice after 4.857 weeks. Uh, which is <laughs> what several means for Zach Taylor, the, yeah. the the off scrutinized term when, when he doubled and tripled down on, yeah, it's still several weeks from when I said several weeks uh, in press conferences. So the difference here is that he's been working. He hasn't been practicing and that isn't great. And he returned to practice earlier, actually with the appendectomy than with this calf injury, but he's not, forcing food down to try to regain weight. Uh, It doesn't seem that he's lost much weight. I think he was able to continue to eat, continue to work out. I think that that matters. I think that another difference is that there's continuity in the passing offense as well. You talked about the continuity of the rosters and coaching staffs. The only change for the Bengals is Orlando Brown's playing left tackle and Jonah Williams is playing right tackle. They've got a different tight end who's going to be... I think in a relatively similar role, but outside of that, the core of this Bengals offense, exactly the same. And where they changed their offense in week five last year, obviously the first time they played against Cleveland, it didn't go very well without Jamar chase on Halloween. And things do get weird for this team in Cleveland. Don't get me wrong, but they were rolling with this shotgun heavy pass first. They, they scrapped the, the, clear segregation of under center versus shotgun offense that they had. And they've built on that and Joe Burrow's mastery in the system, something that I've talked to a few, well, a few people around the team about and, and Brian Callahan has been quoted prominently talking about this to the point where he is an extra coach on the field at this point. And that's what you would hope for a cerebral quarterback like Burrow going into his fourth year with the same coaches and and having that continuity and having them build the offense around him so the the mental mastery is there he lost about a month of physical reps and I I think that that matters a, a little bit but I think it matters less than you might think judging from what he missed last year because I think the appendectomy versus a calf injury and the physical recovery was much more significant last year, even though he missed more practices this year, if that makes any sense. He did get back to practice last week, so he will have you know, the two weeks of practice between the preseason and the regular season to gear up for things. Diana Rossini reporting on Wednesday. What day is it? Is it Tuesday? Tuesday for the Athletic that Joe Burrow is expected to go full on Wednesday. We'll see what the practice report says, but I'm not very concerned for Joe Burrow. Week one, slow start. I'm pretty bullish on this team knowing who they are pretty well on offense at this point and having things going pretty quickly. And of course, Jim Schwartz is going to have something to say about that, but I'm not worried about anything intrinsic to the Bengals outside of, you know, the matchup itself serving up several challenges because of Brown's defense has
1: some players. Yeah. The difference between those two injuries are uh, are night and day. I don't think that, can be understated enough. And like you said, it's a mixture of things, the severity of that appendectomy last year layered up with trying to figure out who they were on offense. And that's what I want to pivot to a little bit is, you know, they made that reference to switching to gun heavy and the diversity in the gun run game and what they're able to build off of that. Is there any, you know, you go into a new year and this is a bigger Browns thing because they're trying to now cater in offense specifically to Deshaun Watson that was tailored to helping quarterbacks like Jacoby Brissett and Baker Mayfield find some success. And there's just a different layer to offense, more answers you can find with those types of quarterbacks. Is there anything that you're expecting to look, feel, or sort of just game plan specific, different for this game? Like, I guess what I'm looking at is, do you think this is just going to be a massive run it back edition of what they have done and just say, Hey man, we have the answers built in here and that's fine. Or do you expect any sort of wrinkles off of what they've traditionally done to try to catch the Browns a little week one flat footed.
2: I'm sure there will be wrinkles, right? There's always wrinkles. And the thing that seemed to be a pretty significant point of emphasis in camp in the off season program for the Bengals was working through RPO stuff, working through play action stuff from the gun. They also span the hell out of GT counter and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, YG counter G Y counter in the preseason from gun. So neither of those things are new, but they might increase in frequency. I think, like I said, I think they know much more clearly what their running style is. And you look at the personnel on the offensive line, adding Orlando Brown, uh, putting him beside another very large man who added muscle and Cordell Volson at left guard, who certainly has his issues in pass pro, but is huge and strong along with Alex Kappa, Jonah Williams on the other side, and very capable center, and Ted Harris in the middle. And none of them are crazy athletic. Jonah Williams probably the most athletic of the bunch. He's probably an above-average athlete, right, compared to tackles in the NFL. They're not built to be an outside zone team in their offensive trenches. They're built to punch somebody in the mouth, to try to move guys vertically, to try to play in the more power-heavy run game that you're going to see from them out of gun I think that is going to be pretty important but I don't know that it's anything new that's they're still I think going to live in 11 personnel at a similar clip to what they've done in recent history I still don't think they're going to be a crazy heavy motion team you might see more play action from them because I think that they've implemented that a little bit better in their shotgun heavy offense rather than trying to get under center for a lot of the shotgun ge- or for a lot of the play action game. But some, somebody actually sent me a tweet today from Sam Hoppin, which is a XY axis of motion rate and play action rate in the NFL in 2022. The Bengals were dead last in both. Mm. <laughs> uh, they, they don't use a bunch of pre-snap motion and they, they didn't use play action last year. You might see a little bit more of that second part, but this is not a team like a Shanahan offense, like an Arthur Blank or Arthur Smith off. Confusing the Arthurs in Atlanta. Arthur Smith is the coach, correct? That's correct. Thank you. Um, where where you're going to do a ton of of play action, a ton of pre snap motion because they have the dudes where they they can just do do it the old school way with a quarterback who's in a very high level processor. You don't need to change a picture on him. He's going to see it pre snap. You have answers built into both sides and and Joe Burrow just finds the right thing to do with the ball. So where you, where you mentioned, you know, do you just have the things built in that you need? I think that with this quarterback, that's how they built the offense. Right. And so I I think that's why you're not going to see like huge sweeping changes. Everybody wants them to be a Shanahan offense every year and points to these charts about motion and play action and EPA per play when there's pre-snap motion or motion at the snap and all these things, but it's just, not the style of quarterback they have, or offense they've built around him. So, I, I probably went too long there. You mentioned we wanted to keep things tight, but I tend to start talking and keep talking. But that's an explanation as to why I think yes, there will be wrinkles. To, to go back to your original question, but it's not going to be terribly different. I think they know who they are on offense.
1: I say that at the start of every podcast to whoever I talk with, and it's I like I I forget that I'm a. Uh unable to do that when I'm doing the analyst answering questions thing too. It's okay. The detail's good. I think what I would ask as a piggyback off of that is I think largely you and I would agree that it's going to be how well do they protect Joe scenario in this game. And I know you've asked, asked me a little bit about what I thought about game plan. The Browns are, you know, they're, they're a preseason uptick in close coverage. They, they They lived in a lot of early down quarters with Joe Woods, but they did not play one single preseason snap of quarters. So it would be a little jarring to then show up week one and be sitting in quarters. I don't expect that, but you never know. They could sprinkle a little bit in, but that's not really feeling like where they're moving to. It feels like they want to play a higher volume of man coverage with talented corners. feels like they want to play that cover two, cover six, which they would probably try to hunt out Jamar as much as possible to do a lot Mm -hmm. of that cover six stuff and I know that was a big part of last year's discussion around the Bengals and how they unlocked Jamar was this this tendency to use that look so not to say that the Bengals don't have answers my question is really going to be how you know with Orlando Brown and you know they know that Jonah switched side there's some stuff there it's an improved group there's no doubt they've done a great job over the years here of molding it to be a better group. I'm asking for sort of your confidence level that in those throwing situations, third and throw, or if the Browns find a way to get out in front and force a little bit of a higher frequency, less predictability or more predictability, that the Bengals are going to need to commit bodies in the box. Do you think the front five is good enough to handle the Zedarius addition, the the Dalvin Tomlinson, Okoronkwo? The Browns have a decently formidable group here. And I'm just curious if you think they're going to commit you know the six seven range or do you think that they trust that joe can process it get it out and have some plans to alleviate that you know what i mean
2: they'll mix it up i mean they always do against elite rushers they will have help for miles garrett you just can't say any tackle in the nfl is going to be on an island against miles garrett you just can't i don't think there's any team in football that would be wise to let that happen very often in a game. They'll they'll go empty, though, at times. That's just who they are with Joe Burrow. They'll put five guys in the formation out wide and, and let Joe try to get rid of the ball quickly. He did become very, very proficient in the quick game. It'll be very interesting to me to see where they, they being the Browns, deploy. Miles Garrett, he obviously can play from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Were they moving Zedaria Smith around in the preseason as well?
1: a little bit. They bump them inside. If they go to, you know, they get those third and pass, they want to get their three best movers and they'll bring the Bronco on too. So I guess Jake, what I'm asking is, are you more confident than ever at the group they've assembled that they can handle more of this, this, this five on whatever, you know, those scenarios.
2: I I am more confident in the offensive line, but I I think that when you have miles Garrett in the equation, how much does confidence in an improved offensive line matter? Yeah, would be yeah. like, does it, you know what I mean? Like, does it actually? It. it I don't think it matters who your tackles are, if Miles Garrett is on the other side. He he has off games. It happens to pretty much every player, but I, I don't think there's a single offensive lineman in the NFL who's winning consistently against Miles Garrett. So, you ask me if I'm more confident. Yes, I am. I, I think it's hard not to be. I think Jota Williams has looked very impressive in the transition to right tackle and has drawn pretty significant praise from his coaches in doing so. They weren't, I mean it's gone better than they thought it would. Just the whole switching sides question. So yeah, I, I, I am more confident in the offensive line. I just I still think that the Cleveland Browns are gonna generate a pass rush in this game and the Bengals are going to have to find a way to take teeth out of it, whether it's quick game and and avoiding getting passes batted at the line of scrimmage, which has been a problem for them at times in the in the quick game. And I'm nitpicking, right? Like they're generally sure. pretty dang efficient. And and running the ball. I mean, if if the Browns are going to do what I think Jim Schwartz is going to do and rush for play light, relatively light boxes and try to keep a lid on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, got to be able to run the ball. And they figured it out last year. I, I just it'll be interesting to see if they can stay on schedule with the run game on early downs. Cause I, I think that that's going to be a pretty significant factor for a pass first team in this game.
1: Yeah. And the Browns have, uh, you know, they had a historically terrible run defense last year and they, they have invested significant right. amount of their um, assets to, to try to, to, to try to rectify that. So that is the huge storyline. You know, it's funny. We talked the whole time about Joe and passing and coverage and, the storyline is how well they'll run it because I do think that will dictate so much. So a couple quick, very quick closing questions. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, be too, too crazy. Who's who's getting the backup snaps to Joe Mixon for this one.
2: Backup snaps or passing down snaps. Cause those yeah, are whatever, questions. yeah.
1: However they, however they go about whoever spilling him or spelling him, I should say, or whoever's yeah. If there's a pass down situation there.
2: If, if everyone is healthy, it seems like Joe Mixon is your running and mixed down back and Travion Williams is in the Samaj Perine Ryan role as a passing down back this year. But that yeah. is a competition that appears to be ongoing. Rookie Chase, uh, Chase Brown, sorry, I think he will be active. You might see four active running backs for the Bengals. He would be the, the change of pace back from like a running perspective. But the Bengals are typically a two back group if those guys are doing their jobs at a level that is acceptable to the coaching staff. So it should be mostly Joe Mixon and Travion Williams. Even though Chris Evans did earn back some trust from the coaches as a pass protector and a passing down back this preseason, I still think they prefer Travion Williams in that role.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: What's up, guys? It's Jake again, here to talk about what I do believe is the premium place to buy tickets for your NFL season this year. You go into Browns games, trying to find the best prices. Should you wait? Should you not? You know, Week one is creeping up on us, but there are some really fun games on that home schedule. And you can get any of them using the GameTime app. That is GameTime.co if you're on the web browser. But the app is where it's at. Shouldn't be stressful to buy tickets, and man, game time's the fastest, easiest way to buy those tickets for any sporting event local, whether it's, like I said, you're going to Browns games or you want to go to concerts, comedy, theater, anything. They got killer last-minute deals, price guarantee, all the stuff you need so you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. Right, Go to the game time app, I do it all the time, looking at trying to take my nephews to an Ohio State game this year. You know, the the experience of looking at not just the the best deals, the flash deals, right? Those last minute deals you can unlock, but also being able to look at the stadium map and pick out where you want to sit and get the picture from, you know, where the spot in the stadium is. And then again, the lowest price guarantee, cancellation event protection, job loss protection, all of that stuff just makes it even better. It's the place to go for last minute tickets, or to be honest, even when you're planning ahead, I think it is 100% the place to go. And Again, you you have a fantastic mobile app. You can go online. You can look at those seats. They're sent directly to your phone. Those tickets are. You don't have to dig through your email. Two taps, you're set. Everything you need is at game time. So Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the promo code OBR. Very simply, OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the code OBR. $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Well, when you lose audio from one half of Locked On Bengals, I think you just go to the other half. And that that means I bring in James Rapine, who I'm excited to to get some of James' time. man look, I, I am trying to really replicate what I did with Jake because it was really good. So uh, we ended up kind of putting closure on the offense, James. But what we didn't really get to, to you know, discuss in detail was where things stand with Joe Burrow and his contract. I, I know everybody would like that to be done, and Jake a couple of days ago had mentioned he thought it might get done before his Wednesday exposure to the media but it seems like it's still sort of sitting there. And I know Joe had said he wants to end his career. Do you think it's just a matter of a couple of details they're ironing out at this point?
3: I think so. I'm pretty optimistic that something will get done. I think that there's a variety of paths or reasons why it might not be done yet. Obviously, it's all the contractual stuff from what Joe could want, what the Bengals are hoping for, all of those things. But maybe he's hoping to see T. Higgins sign. Are hoping to see that move in the right direction. I, mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of speculation as to why, and there's a lot of reasons why it could be. We don't know exactly, but what I do know and why I'm why I'm optimistic, Jake, is I, I know Joe wants to be in Cincinnati long term and wants to find the right deal. And the Bengals want to find the right deal, and obviously they know what Burrow means to the franchise. So I think between now and Sunday's game, something gets done because. Even though some may say that's not a deadline, I think that is a deadline. And I think the Bengals will make the push to to get him done over the next 48
1: hours or so. Uh, the, the next thing I want to hit on is, is the coordinator stuff here. So, you know, there's the Callahan connection between Cleveland and Cincinnati, and he's done such a great job, uh, you know, taking over that offense and doing spectacular stuff, solving a lot of the things last year on the fly. I know Zach's heavily involved in that, but they did a great job solving some of their early – um, you know, shotgun under center issues and, and and put together a really good path. And Lou Anarumo is obviously after a, a, a kind of rough start to his time in Cincinnati, the last two years has taken on such a higher level of respect. I guess my question here, James, is are you surprised? Are the Bengals surprised or people around the organization that these guys didn't get jobs yet? I know the continuity in this coaching staff is remarkably consistent. And, and largely this is what it is for both teams now in, in a, In a sense, a lot of the same core roster pieces, a lot of the same faces coaching. And I I think it's amazing that we've seen this and the Bengals are doing it at a level beyond the Browns right now. But I think is it is the perception around these two guys that it's a matter of time before they get jobs? Or do you think that there's a chance that both are just going to kind of always hover at the coordinator level here and and really find some some peace in Cincinnati. Uh,
3: I certainly think this is the last year that this coaching core stays together, and I'll throw quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher in there because let's say, for whatever reason, and I do think Brian Callahan is going to be a hot commodity, assuming the Bengals' offense is as good as I think it's going to be. I think he'll be a hot commodity this coming offseason and probably get a head coaching job. He was close last offseason to joining the Colts. They obviously went with Shane Steichen, all right, so you'll run it back and we'll see what jobs are available this offseason. So Brian Callahan, I think it's a matter of of when, not if, assuming this Bengals offense continues to ascend. With Louie Anarumo, it's interesting because he's a defensive mind. I do think that there, there's a, a path for him to become an NFL head coach. Thank goodness he he didn't get involved in that Arizona situation and he was a finalist there. But to yeah. me... It's more 50-50 because of the way the league is going. Lou Rumo isn't 35 or 40. He, you know, He's an older defensive mind. And so will owners want to go in that in, in that direction? This is his first time being a defensive coordinator. So I, I do wonder. That said, I, do I think he could be a good head coach? Absolutely, I do. And I think he'll get interviews. But I, I think it's going to take the right ownership group, the right GM, to look at Lou and say, okay, we can find the right offensive coordinator to put around him or he's the right fit for our franchise just because of the offensive mindedness of the NFL today.
1: Let's switch over and talk about his defense kind of collectively. Now it is again, a group that has been pretty consistent in the front seven. I think there's a lot of discussion you and I can have about the back half uh, in just a moment. But as far as looking at the upfront, I don't want to ignore any of it. So Sam Hubbard reader, BJ Hill, Trey Hendrickson, all back, obviously cam samples there and he's, expanded his role over the years but two names I'm interested Joseph Osai. I know he'd been working a little bit on the side is he playing and then Miles Murphy the first round pick the Clemson kid how has he looked uh, do you think he's ready to take on some sort of decent role here in the first you know his first NFL game just kind of looking at what the you know because we know who the frontline guys are but who the rotational pieces will be
3: I think Joseph Osai is going to miss this week we'll see if he's able to get in any type of practice time, I just, to me, I, I think he was an IR candidate at one point during this ankle sprain recovery, he's recovered and, and progressed more than they realized. And so I, I think he'll be back sooner rather than later, but certainly uh, if I had to pick one way or the other, I think he'll be out on Sunday and, and that's really the only starter that, that there are or, or potential starter. I think he will play starting level snaps when he is healthy. I think he'll be out there a lot. Uh, Joseph Osai. So he won't technically be a starter though. But that said, ready or not for Miles Murphy, because if Osai is out, you don't have that luxury and you are banking on your first round pick to go out there and and make an impact and give you some valuable snaps. And I do think he flashed more in the preseason than the the general fan realizes, because you just look at pressures, you, you look at sacks. But to me, especially against a team like the Browns, that's going to run the ball He's a capable run defender right now and is is capable of getting pressure here and there. I don't think he's a game-changing pass rusher by any means at this stage. He's got to work on some technique issues and just kind of find himself as an edge rusher. He's just 21 years old. At the same time, I do think he, he could play meaningful snaps on Sunday. And the other guy to, to pay attention to is Camp Sample. Took a big step in training camp in this offseason going into the preseason. I think you're going to see a lot of 96 on Sunday.
1: Okay, talking linebackers, you know, they've given Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson contract extensions, I guess, probably, maybe not the way to phrase it, but they've given them second contracts. So um, there's obviously talent behind them, Akeem Davis-Gaylor, you know, Marcus Bailey. And it's interesting to me because they've invested, we'll talk about the the, the heavy investments in, in the secondary. I, I guess my question is paying two linebackers. Modern football doesn't love it, you know, James. I don't think that's a secret. You know, they're almost treated as the, the running back of the defense, but, but it seems they love these two guys. So I'm not asking you to tell me that the franchise made the right or wrong call. I just want to kind of know the vibe around keeping both of those guys around and how they've grown as players.
3: Yeah. I think it was a, certainly a surprise that they were able to keep both and the Jermaine Pratt signing to me had more to do with his market and they had a number they were willing to give him and he went out on the open market and I don't think he could have gotten much more. And so he said, heck, let's stay with a contender, a a place I'm familiar with. And obviously, he's played at a high level. And then Logan Wilson was the guy that you're like, okay, of the two, they'll re-sign him. But there was some question marks, uh, or it was at least brought into question the moment they they re-signed Pratt in March. And yet, they were able to get Logan done as well. And this is the best linebacker tandem the Bengals have had in a long time. I mean, we we may be going back decades, uh, you know, where you... Uh, look at it and, and say, all right, well, Brian Simmons and, and Takiyo Spikes or something like that, where they were this comfortable with their linebackers. And it's not just those two guys, but the stability they bring. Logan Wilson has the ability to cover in the slot if you need him to. He can cover tight ends. Jermaine Pratt, same thing, and is just so, so instinctual. So I think that both of these guys, a big part of Lou Rumo's defense, it's a surprise they kept both but I understand why and just coming into this season, their front seven, I know we're going to talk about the secondary, but their front seven's intact. And so I, I expect big things uh, from that front seven, including these two linebackers this season.
1: Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be something they need, but also just looking at them collectively. It's one of the best in the NFL. There's no doubt of that. Um, switching over, like you said, let's start at corner. We, we can do big picture, but I think we should pick it apart and go corner then, then safety. So, I think, you know, talk us through a couple things. Cam Taylor Britt saw some time last year, obviously some encouraging moments uh, working on and refining his skill set and all of that, but encouraging moments for the second round pick. They also spent a second round pick on DJ Turner, kind of looking if he will play at all in this one or be involved. And then Cheeto, right? You know, he tore the ACL in Cleveland last year. Uh, I think it was Halloween that that game was. So he's coming back at a pretty remarkable pace and those first year back for corners off ACLs, Tradavius White types, it's just, uh, it's not quite the level of twitch you hope for. They they need time is the more of the story. The Browns are dealing in a similar situation with the linebacker Sione Takitaki, who tore his ACL week twelve and is prepared to play in this game. The ACL stuff's getting wild. So I think Cheeto is huge, James. Obviously, he's a great player when he's right. How right is he? I mean, that's the biggest question to go out there and cover Amari Cooper or Elijah Moore when something happens. So I'm looking at just, we'll start with Cheeto. Just how's he looking, what's the vibe?
3: He looks great. I've been shocked at how good he's looked. And this is for months. During the offseason program, he was cutting, stopping, starting, planning. Flipping his hips, all of those things, going through individual drills with no brace. So we're talking late May, June. He he had the surgery in, in November and the fact that he didn't have a brace on, I'm like, oh, he'll be ready for week one and started, didn't even start camp on the pup list. He was on the pup list for about, I think, 12 hours. And then right before camp started, they took him off of that and really slowly worked his way through things. I think he wanted to be out there in team drills much sooner than he was, but over the past few weeks, he's been out there in 11 on 11, guarding Jamar chase, dealing with T Higgins. And so he's being tested. I think ACLs are really dicey with corners because of everything that they're asked to do, but he looks like the same old Chido wouzier So we will see, but I, I expect him to go out there and play at a pretty high level uh, on Sunday against a, a really talented wide receiver room. So uh, hopefully he does because the Bengals are much better when he's out there and he's a lot of fun to watch and, So far, there's been no signs of him slowing down.
1: Good stuff. Okay, Mike Hilton, you know, we know is one of the best nickels in the league. I don't think we need to even go over it. We've talked about this guy forever since he's been with Pittsburgh. And um, I know the Browns will try to play their way into some 12 personnel to see if they can pluck him off the field. Uh, here and there, but it seems like no matter what, the, the Bengals are going to live in nickel. I'm really interested too, and like I said a second ago, t- Cam Taylor-Britt and DJ Turner. Is is DJ Turner kind of the first rotational player if anything happens? And then what's the vibe around second year of Cam Taylor-Britt?
3: Another guy that to me has ascended, in, and I guess one of the benefits, if there is a benefit of Cheeto getting hurt last year, is Cam Taylor-Britt was thrust into action first off against the Browns, but then the entire second half of the season, he's your starting corner, and I think that combined with a full off season, knowing he was going to be one of the starters, and now dealing with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, he looks poised for a breakout season. And looking at this Bengal secondary, I know we're going to talk about the safeties, but to me, can Cam Taylor Britt be better than Eli Apple? I think so. This year, you know what Mike Hilton brings. Chido he he's close to to what he was pre-injury. Then these corners, these starting corners are better than what the Bengals have had during this two-year run. So I expect a lot out of Cam Taylor-Britt. He's developed a ton and grown a ton, I would say, over the past calendar year. And uh, he's certainly someone that should be on Browns fans' radar going into Sunday.
1: So switch to safety. You lose Von Bell, you lose Jesse Bates. It happens in the NFL. You can't pay everybody. The Browns are going to run into that issue here before too long, but you spend, again, good capital, right? You spend Dax Hill, first-round pick, the Michigan kid who's, who's been a bit of a Swiss Army knife, and then you spend a third-round pick this year on the Alabama product, Jordan Battle. You go out, you spend some late free agency money on Nick Scott. What's the vibe around safety replacing two two core pieces, right? that's a big deal. So I, I'm just curious where you think that group sits. It's
3: going to be the – it's the one question mark where we don't have the full picture yet, and there could be – Uh, a slow start, or they could get off to just from a communication standpoint. You start out on the road. If I'm Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski, and the Browns, yeah, I want to try these safeties and test them early on, if if nothing else, just communication-wise. That said, I think Dax Hill is capable of bringing an element that Jesse Bates didn't bring, and he can play that deep safety role, but he's a not only a willing tackler, I think he's a good tackler. It tackled uh, Bijan Robinson in, in the open field in, in the Bengals' second preseason game when the starters played, made multiple nice tackles in, in practice in the open field, but he can blitz, he can uh, guard opposing receivers in the nickel, opposing tight ends, and then play that deep safety role as well. So you can move him around. He's kind of a versatile chess piece that, that, could give this defense a new wrinkle that we just haven't seen in recent years. Nick Scott, I think he's more of the the deep safety role for the most part, which is fine, because like I said, Daxel can move around. And so I, I think these guys are going to be good. And in this safety room, I think nationally, some say, all right, well, it's going to be a weakness now. I, I'm not willing to go that far. I don't think they're going to be as good as Jesse Bates and Von Bell. That's hard to do, and I don't expect that. But I also don't expect them to be a bottom of the league safety room. I think they will be average to above average. It's certainly not going to be a weakness and it could end up being a strength if Dax Hill is as good as I think he can be. Now it may take some time since he didn't play much last year, but uh, I do think that this safety room is going to be pretty good, especially since they had a Jordan battle and they have Tyson Anderson as well as, as the backups in that room.
1: So give me this. So as we close, you know, I don't, I don't do predictions. I hate them, especially week one. So weird variants and stuff, just your vibe, your vibe around this young secondary coming to Cleveland. I know there's a lot of experience in a lot of other positions, but Joe is, you know, hovering at a certain percentage, maybe not quite a hundred. Like what's your vibe around the team? How much confidence do you have? They can go up to Cleveland and, you know, you've been in Cleveland before. You've been around the stadium. You know it can get extremely crazy up there, especially with this much palpable anticipation, right? So just curious what your vibe is and confidence level is around the Bengals getting it done in week one.
3: I think they're the better team, but I, I also think that there's enough question marks to where it could certainly go the other way. Talent-wise, I would give the Bengals the edge, just to be clear. yeah. That, that yeah. said, the Browns at home, I agree with you. I think that stadium is going to be crazy. And when the schedule came out, I tried to, on all my platforms, I was like, this game is going to be way crazier than the Monday night game was on Halloween, because there's going to be so much buildup week ones in Cleveland. There's just, there's so much excitement for the Browns. And, And so, and obviously expectations are high after what they've done this off season. So it's going to be a chaotic environment. You have a defensive coordinator in Schwartz. That's, A veteran in the game, right? Like we know what he does as a DC, but we haven't seen it with this group. So there's going to be some wrinkles. And and so I I think that part is interesting as well when the Bengals are on offense. So I I think the Bengals can win and probably should win, but it's a really tough place to play. Joe Burrows never won there. Zach Taylor has never won there. No Bengals coach has started 0-5 in Cleveland. There's been multiple coaches that have started 0-4. So given the landscape of the AFC and the AFC North, it's a big one. And, uh, you know, you don't want to overhype or overreact to week one, but I, I think it's a big, big game for both teams.
1: It should be fun. I hope it's a really competitive one. And I I really don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. So we're here. We made it. uh, And when we go behind enemy lines, uh, you know, between Jake and James are the two best guys to connect with on the team. So, James, we appreciate you taking some time to record this with us, man, very much.
3: Of course. Yeah, Jake, I appreciate you having me. Keep up the the great work and uh, hopefully it's a good one on Sunday.
1: All right, guys, that's a wrap on this podcast. We know some things about the Browns um, that we will cover again on Saturday. Denzel Ward still in concussion protocol, but in a limited basis on the practice field. All of a sudden, we saw... A DMP from Juan Thornhill with a calf injury, which is something we are obviously going to pay attention to on the ever important Friday practice report uh, with injuries because that's the one that usually tells you the story of what's coming up for the weekend and who's likely to play and who is not. We know Burrow went full again. He is definitely going to be out there riding high off the New Deal. It's going to be a very emotional game. And I just really can't wait to see it unfold, because we've been waiting a long time for it, and the anticipation has been huge. So thanks to Jake and James again, who do their own crossover with our, with our buddy Jeff Lloyd over at Locked on Browns, but they were nice enough to come on and give the insights to this podcast as well, because I really do genuinely think they do the best job covering the Bengals, so I wanted to get their opinion on this show as well. So thanks to both of those guys for taking time separately to record. We will get to some podcast audio and schedule normalcy starting on your Saturday podcast podcast, and in perpetuity, as there are no scheduled events or vacations for my household for a while, so that's going to be great. So you guys, thanks for tolerating that chaos this week, I really do appreciate you guys continuing to listen to this podcast at a record pace. It means the world to me. Some exciting things coming down the pipeline I can't wait to talk about. It's going to be a fun season. Really, really pumped about it. It's going to be good to get with Andrew Spade and talk about some big picture stuff tomorrow and some college ball. I really do enjoy spending some time on that Saturday podcast talking about the college weekend ahead and what happened the weekend before. So keep an eye out for that one. Until we talk next time, guys, check out Saturday's pod and all the other great ones this week that we had. We have had some great discussions. Go back and check those out if you didn't. Thanks to you guys again. Rate review the podcast if you can helps browns fans find it and join us the best browns community you will find online at the obr that's it for today thanks for stopping by the obr film breakdown have a fantastic saturday guys and go browns